0: And we're live. I guess. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Bruce Robert Coffin, and I am uh, honored to be uh, a guest interviewer today. And I'm also honored to have with me Matt Coyle, award-winning PI novelist and author of the Rick Cahill series. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on.
1: I gotta say, I got um, I got poster envy of your framed glass uh, poster. <laughs> Makes mine look like, all faded. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yours, is, yours is awesome. Yours is awesome. Um, for those of you not familiar with uh, Matt Coyle, I want to run down a quick uh, uh, literary bio. Uh, Matt, uh, much like myself, somehow spent 30 years outside of doing what it is he wanted to do, which was be a novelist, uh, doing other things. Life gets in the way. But he was uh, published for the first time in 2013. His debut novel, Yesterday's Echo, um, and this might've been you saving it up, Matt. I don't know how that works, but huh. he won the Anthony for best first, which is no small feat, uh, San Diego book award for best mystery and the Ben Franklin award for best new voice in fiction. Uh, lofty, lofty, uh, awards there. Very nice. And he's also won the shameless twice. Uh, once is not enough. Twice is unbelievable. An Anthony, a lefty, and multiple Barry McCavity and Derringer noms to go along with all of that. Uh, and recently, if I'm not mistaken, for your forthcoming novel, Last Redemption, you even uh, earned a starred review from Publishers Weekly. Am I correct on that?
1: Yeah, that was, that was cool. My, my first starred review.
0: That and is I, very yeah, cool. Very happy about it. And and well-deserved, I must say, uh, being given the pleasure of having an early read of Last Redemption. um, It's well-deserved. Is that what you call it when somebody asks you for a blurb, the pleasure? Yeah, (laughs) it was a pleasure, (laughs) you know. We get a lot of requests, right? Yeah, no. Much appreciated. Um, I I noticed uh, that you credit Raymond Chandler and Ross McDonald in the opening uh, of this book uh, for the reason that you started writing Rick Cahill in the first place. Uh, Tell tell the viewers a little bit about that. You know,
1: I, my dad gave me The simple art of murder by Raymond Chandler, you know that the essays and a bunch of his short stories. You know, it was a long time ago. I can't really get the date date correct. In my bio, I think it goes from 12 to 13 to 14 years old, but somewhere in there he gave it to me. and um, I started reading it, and you know I loved it. I loved the the short stories, and I then immediately I started reading Chandler. He only, wrote, he only wrote seven novels, so that was pretty pretty easy to go through his catalog. And then uh, I started reading MacDonald after that. And in college, I, college actually had a um, private detective novel class, which was pretty cool. And uh, so I was reading the reading the genre PI genre all my life from 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 the start there. As I got older, I branched out a little bit, you know, to more wider mystery, crime, thriller. But uh, mm-hmm. PI has always been in my blood. Um, you know, and that's thanks to Chandler and McDonald, and I thought they, I thought they deserved a little hat tip and the acknowledgements or the the dedication. I'm sure to them it meant nothing,
0: right? No, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it would mean a lot to anybody to actually get nominated in there or, or to have be listed in your acknowledgements for sure. Um, what, what actually you asked to answer the question I was going to ask you, which was why you chose uh, PI to be a genre, uh, you know, for your protagonist as opposed to say. A police procedural or amateur sleuth? Yeah, um,
1: I, I don't want to cut you off, but I, no, go ahead. Because I don't think I answered that that question fully. Um, you, you said you know we both we both started writing after thirty years of doing other things. Well, you actually were doing something significant. You were a police officer. Um, I was doing a lot of things insignificant, um, going from job to job, and I don't I don't have I got a lot of law enforcement in my family, my extended family, but. Of course, I was never a cop. And I honestly, of course, as I, as I mentioned, I started with Chandler and McDonald's. So that, that hard-boiled voice, that first-person voice was in my head. But honestly, as much as I probably screw up PI stuff and I'm in cop stuff through, through PI, I didn't want to, I didn't think I had the chops to get things correct and probably too lazy to do the necessary um, research to, to get everything right. So, I mean, there were times when I thought about, you know, as my series progressing, maybe doing something different, but I don't think I could do a police procedural. I don't, I don't, I'm afraid I would be afraid that I would um, get too much
0: wrong. And then guys like you and David Putnam would give me a hard time. (laughs) Well, I can't speak for him, but I wouldn't. And if you ever did that, uh, feel free to call. That'll work. Don't ever speak for Putnam. (laughs) Um, One of the things I noticed uh, reading your books that I really enjoy is that you do uh, humor quite well. Uh, It tends to come out in uh, Rick Cahill's inner dialogue, especially. Um, I find myself laughing out loud as I'm reading some of those thoughts. And I'm wondering, is that you Uh, or is that uh, maybe another influence? Like one of the things I'm reminded of is um, the irreverent streak in um, Robert Parker Spencer. And I'm wondering if any of that uh, played into that or that's just you.
1: I think you know. I, I read. I read some Parker, not not an extensive amount. I think that everything is kind of through osmosis. Everything we collect as we read comes out. I'm sure there's huge Chandler, um, McDonald influences, but I, I, it's not something I consciously think about in terms of the humor. It's probably more me than anything else. Um, sardonic, sarcastic, dark, and um, just a fun guy to be around. Um, <laughs> I think that my books tend to get they. they, they I'm Ironically, they started the first book. I uh, the first version of the of what became Yesterday's Echo, it was much too autobiographical, which happens a lot to your in your first book, especially in first mm-hmm. version. And it was much lighter. There was more humor in it, and I didn't really, I didn't like where it was going. And through a lot of revisions, I got it right. But the books are they're not gory, dark, or anything like that. But they're internally dark, and it's a troubled guy. So I do try to lighten it up every once in a while. But I, I would have to say that is that's probably
0: me. I'll take credit for so, that one. It comes across really well. Thank you. Um, and actually, this is a uh, this is a, a plug for how good the new mo- model, uh, novel is. When I uh, realized we were coming up on this date, I wanted I went back and uh, grabbed Last Redemption again for another read. And really, all I planned on doing was skimming through it to to look for things I wanted to talk about in the novel without giving anything away. And I found myself every time I turn around getting back into the book, like reading the book, as opposed to what I had planned on doing. So yeah. uh, kudos to you for, for having you. that kind of a novel. Thanks. Hi, um, praise. Good to hear. You know, <laughs> one of the things that I noticed that you, you put into this, um, which I didn't know much about, I am think I'm familiar with it as far as the NFL is concerned. It, it's discussed yeah. a great deal. Is CTE. Um, yeah. And for those of you who might not for, be familiar, it, the technical term is chronic, uh, traumatic. Encephalopathy, which is something that uh, uh, football players, uh, boxers, people who are repeatedly subjected to head trauma um, can suffer. And I noticed that you that sort of played front and center in this book. How did that come to be? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I'm, I'm actually, I, ha- I have the arc with me and I had it on the first page where it's mentioned. And I cannot say that without reading it. And even when I read it, I don't think I could get it right. I, I don't get encephalopathy right. So um, I think guys like you know you you and I who are um, probably sports fans have heard about it, yeah, um, I think that every football player that they've ever, at least recently, done autopsies on, and I guess there haven't been that many reasons to do autopsies, but I think every player, no matter what position, has had it. And I think that it's a lot more um, prevalent out there that for maybe people from other um, walks of life, yeah, it's – my understanding, and I've done some research, but not hugely extensively. Got some help from Doug Lyle, of course, as we all do. Um, you know, it's, it's repeated head injuries. And this guy, um, when I started writing Rick way back when, 20 years ago, the one thing I didn't know what I was doing, but the one thing I wanted to do is that I wanted to have everything that happened to him physically and emotionally matter. It, it accumulated, it reverberated throughout his life. And clearly that's happened through the, um, emotionally for him, for anybody who's read the series, you see the baggage he carries. And I wanted to have, it made sense to me that that had to happen with him physically. Now, when I started writing the book, I probably didn't even know about CTE, you know, my first book 20 years ago, I wrote the first draft, but, um, and I didn't once even when it became known, it wasn't something I really thought about, about putting in the book. And then with all the traumatic, I mean, he's probably had, I don't know, as a PI, he's probably had six concussions, maybe five or six. He was a, he was a golden gloves boxer when he was a kid for, I think, three or four years. He played Pop Warner football, high school football, and a couple of years of college football. That's a lot of physical damage probably to his head. And I figured, I mean, I I don't know if I really wanted to go this way, but I just thought it had to make sense. I want it. I want things to be as real as possible. You know, why you suspend your, your, um, whatever. But I, so then I thought, well, this would make sense. It, it, I, how could he avoid not having this? And so, um, for this book, I decided that this is when things we've seen a lot of the emotional baggage and, and, the, and the damage it's done. This is when the physical, um, damage over all these years. And like I said, not just as a PI, as a kid, football, boxing, and all that sort mm-hmm. kind of in to front. But sad, I- cool, um, you know, Junior Seau, I'm in San Diego, a uh, much beloved uh, linebacker, Hall of Fame linebacker. Right. He committed suicide and he shot himself in the chest. And I think it was, was it Dave Durson for the um, Bears who did the same thing? Mm-hmm. I think he was the first one, a safety for the Bears. And, I, and I'm and i really sorry if I got, if I'm confusing Dave Durson with somebody else. But he was the first guy who shot himself in the chest because he wanted his, his head to, uh, he wanted the, his brain to be looked at. And... Um, this has really gone off on a very negative, <laughs> one, very dark, not surprisingly, a very right, dark right, turn, but right. oh, that's good. But, uh, so I thought that it would, you know, I thought that it would be something that um, he'd have and have
0: right. to deal. What I, what I liked about that is it's, it's a, uh, it's an internal reoccurring uh, nightmare that happens during the story. A lot of times we'll, it's easy for us to write something external that comes back, you know, it's the ticking clock, you know, yeah. the storm's coming, whatever it happens to be, but you've written into him an internal storm. And, Although I, I suspect most of the viewership and probably most of your readers won't uh, have any firsthand knowledge with CTE, um, what I liked about it was I sort of project. I could project what he was. You did a really nice job describing it, but I I could project what he was dealing with at any given moment. With that, uh, it's it's like walking into the room, which happens daily now, and having no idea why you've walked into the room. Um, like said, but but you know put steroids on that and then suddenly imagine yeah. how scary that would have to be you know yeah I yeah. I just thought that was a great way to to have the readers identify with them I, I got that right away and then I kept worrying about when it was going to creep back up as I was reading the book
1: yeah so uh, um, me too where to put it and you know how that goes where to put it yeah. and how many of them um, you know I tend to when I'm writing something like that or anything my first draft I tend to overwrite things and just with this book I'm writing now, um, something offshoot of that, um, you know, I stick in a lot of scenes that have a particular um, crisis, recurring mm-hmm. crisis, physical crisis, and then try to yank out the ones that aren't as good as the others, and because you can certainly overdo it, but um, that's always a that's always a, a, a thought that goes in. Certainly on the last revisions, uh, like, is there too much? Is there not
0: enough? Right, right. We all worry about that. I think. Yeah. Um, another thing I really enjoy about reading your books—I've uh, read a lot of PI uh, novels—and um, uh, I sort of had respect for that all along. It's one of those things where I think if I if I was to go off on another tangent and write something other than what I write for the John Byron series, I, I might it's look to PI. By the way, John Byron's great you series. Much. Love it very
1: much. Thank it's you. In plain sight, we have you're on the show. Uh, we talked about that.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Seems like a million years ago already. I <laughs> know. <laughs> um, but one of the things that you do really well, which, which I think is a trap that you can fall into as a PI writer is that you avoid the, the trope or cliche of having the, the police be, you know, just inept, just totally inept and bumbling along, which, of course, makes the PI's job much easier if the, if the cops are clueless. But, um, you do a real nice job of, of, uh, not doing that. And I wondered if that, if that entered into, uh, your thought process with having, uh, Rick Cahill have been uh, having been prior law enforcement. If that was part of your decision, well, it probably comes from my uh, my
1: family's background and all that. My brother in law was a cop. Uh, one of my nephew my nephew's a cop. Um, uh, both my nieces married cops. Um, so I got a lot, I got all respect for the police officers. Absolutely, my brother in law we just passed away this last year. Was a cop. Was a became a police officer when I was probably uh 16 or something so had that someone like him to look up to my whole life um there's probably some of that but you know i try to you don't want to have them being at just the police being at and, and i i'm sure i'm sure that i err on the wrong side of that and and have the police make too many mistakes or go down the wrong road because you need you know why the pi hardly it never solves a um Murder case. There's there's times when they may help some things you might see on Dateline or something, but but they never solve them. And there has to be a reason for the PI to get involved. And so that's I try to make it generally that, they, that the police have have maybe gone um, tunnel vision in some ways, but certainly not in it. Um, so it's it, but I do have a lot of respect for law enforcement. It's in my family, um, but I also don't want. to I think the reader just like you were mentioning. I think I don't think the reader. They don't want end up police force. They want they want some tension for sure, and right. a reason for them not to want Rick to be investigating. But they don't want them to be the the Keystone cops by any means. So yeah, it is something I think about. But I'm it's hard when you're writing a PI inserts himself or is thrust in through other for other reasons not to have there's some reason that the police are doing something wrong or going off on the wrong direction for their investigation, but. But I mean, Rick is bumbling at times too. I mean, he doesn't—he follows his gut a lot and uh, he makes mistakes. But he's—he's very bulldogish, so um, eventually he kind of bumps into the right answer. But but he clearly makes mistakes. I know that's That I don't know about you, Bruce, but I read a lot of my um, a lot of my uh, reviews, even on Goodreads, where it's you go in in there because you're a masochist. (laughs) There's no other reason. Pardon? There's no other reason to go on there, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people, no, some, not a lot of people, but some people don't, they want to have the PI to be, you know, to not make mistakes and be kind of a Superman. And my guy's not that. And sometimes he does dumb stuff. Sometimes he does dumb stuff probably because I'm writing dumb stuff and I don't know any better. But um, that's, I, I decided I, you know, I mean, every here's what I do when I read one like a two-star review and they say he was dumb or something. I say, yeah, you know, I'm doing it right. That's what I tell myself. Clearly, if it was a five-star review, I'd be much happier. I'd be go. But you know what? I'm doing what I want to do. There has to be some people that just don't don't like right, it.
0: So right, right, right. Well, and people have an opinion. That means they're reading it. So that's uh, right. the most important thing. So um, I got to ask you as a as a series author, um, and I don't know, maybe you've experienced this, maybe you haven't. And if you haven't, I apologize for even bringing it up. But um, as I am working on my fifth you i believe just alluded to the fact that you're working on working on number 9 yeah um challenges in the series i i've noticed one of the things that and i don't know if i've never heard anyone talk about it but i'm assuming it must be a real thing the corridor feels like it's narrowing uh for me as far as what i can tell a story about without wow. feeling like i've told that story that is so well put Do you feel that already in
1: yours or yeah absolutely absolutely Especially with the book I'm writing right now, is is you, um, how are you, how do you keep from not writing the same story over and over again? And I always try to find a. What I start with is um, Rick's major subplot. What is going on in his life um, that he's struggling with, and can I find a a through line, a a, a case that he takes that would cross over into that or just make it difficult. They don't always cross over, but they, you know, the, what he's dealing with makes his job more difficult. But honestly, yeah. Narrowing is <laughs> a great way to put it. And it really is frightening. Actually, if you put it that way.
0: <laughs> right
1: Yeah. So I think for me, it's, it's really the internal thing. And And even then it's nuances on problems that he's dealt with for a while. And it's, uh, I'm I'm sort of glad you brought that up, but maybe not because it is something that is probably (laughs) foremost in my mind. The book I'm writing right now is that, is it, I mean, I I don't, I've probably never written an original story, so I don't worry about that. I just (laughs) write about writing Rick, Rick stories and how he deals with maybe things that have come up for other people. But yeah, that's something foremost in my mind, is this, is this nuanced enough from his normal um,
0: situation. So I felt like it was, the, the last one, uh, certainly. But everything I've read in the series had its own standalone feel to it, which I, which I appreciate as a reader, obviously. But um, I, I am in awe of that, like I say, as I, as I feel that same thing in number five. So good job. Keep that up. Thank you. Um, 30 years. 30 years uh, – obviously, you began writing before that 30-year period based on what you said on, on how long you've been doing. You say 20 years now you've been writing novels. Yeah, right. um, Long guy. Do you feel like that time away from pursuing the dream directly hurt you or, or helped you in your writing at all? I think it hurt the craft, you know, because I think that I'd be a better
1: writer now if I wrote 10 years earlier. But I don't think um, story, it probably – I don't think it matters story wise because character wise as I said earlier you met, you were a police officer for many years, so you had these high pressure situations these hopefully not too many but maybe not life and death for you, but life and death for other people you had these really um high pressure situations and you know I was in the restaurant business I, uh, I was in the golf business um you know i had I had you know w- girlfriends and not having girlfriends and all that. And, and, and later in life, wives and not having a wife. Um, but I think that I needed to, I needed more life experience and I wasn't really doing anything exciting, but just with getting older, you have losses in your life. You lose family members, mm-hmm. people you love. And sure. I think that helps for the books that I want to write. I think that helps be able to put that real emotion into situations I've never been in that I can only imagine and do research on. But the the emotion is true. Anybody our age has had loss and uh, had had highs and lows. And so you can put those real things that really happened to you and nuance the, um, the emotion and make it seem real, I hope. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, I mean, definitely be a better craftsman. Um, but I I don't think, I don't think I was ready to really tell any stories. Maybe something funny at back, you know, when I was a drunk, um, that, no, I mean, I would pick up every, every year. I would say, well, this is the year I'm going to, this, I'm going to do something this year. I'm going to write, you know, and I, I scribble something that was awful. And, um, same time next year. Um, <laughs> then I was working for, I was working for a golf company when I was 40, early forties. And I saw the handwriting on the wall. I'd helped uh, three other golf companies go out of business in 10 years. And this one was going <laughs> too. so I said, uh, I said, this is it. When this thing goes out, I'm going to, I have to, I was 42 or three, I said, I have to write a book or I can't pretend like this is something I'm going to pursue in my life. I have to, much to my my dad's uh, uh, happiness at the time would have been to get a career, follow something specifically instead of from job to job. And I did. When the place went out of business, I um, had some money saved up and I wrote first draft of yesterday's Echo. Thought I was done, thought that was it. I thought I would uh, get an agent, uh, never have a day job again. And then I worked for somebody for 16 years and then I quit my day job.
0: Wow. Did you ever see this becoming a series when you when you first started out to get that first novel done?
1: Yeah, I didn't. Th- I didn't somewhere along the line of that first or second draft. I didn't, when I first started writing, I didn't really think about it that much. I think, well, I just have to do this or I can't. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. But yeah, once I learned the character more, uh, Rick Cale, I realized there's a lot more stories to tell. And then as I went along and was around book five, I saw there was a really narrowing corridor. And
0: yeah. uh, <laughs> I just to figure something hey I'm on point then. Um, is there something now that you're doing this and you've been doing it uh, for quite a while, very successfully, is there anything about this business when you were projecting out wanting to be a writer that, that has now that you're in this role that surprised you about writing that you didn't imagine would be part of the deal? Well, I thought I'd actually make some money, but, um, (laughs) maybe there's still hope for that. I thought, you
1: know, I didn't know anything about, I knew you had to get an agent. That was basically it when I first started writing. So I didn't realize then when you're with a smaller, very good publisher, but a smaller publisher, or if you're with a big publisher and you're a in that all the marketing you're going to have to do on your own. I mean, you're going to, it's kind of like, um. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, ABM, always be marketing that um, I didn't really know about or think about. And in spite of the fact that I can seem um, outgoing, I am sort of shy in some situations. Although I do think that all the public speaking that you do throughout this maybe changes your personality a little bit. Much more comfortable speaking in in public or in groups than I used to be. But that's nothing. It's not something I ever really wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, you know, you have to force yourself to do things marketing that you never thought you would do but i enjoy almost all of it um mm-hmm. you know i don't I hate writing bi- uh bios and um synopsis synopsis whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. but everything else um i like i like the marketing aspect of it but it can take up a lot of time and oh yeah trying to find out the right thing um you know i did a i don't know if you've ever done did you ever do a um you know the video loop what do they call it the um you know movie a little like a one minute movie. Oh. Thing,
0: for the book trailer. Were, no, trailer? Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: right. Yeah. I did one on my first book, and uh, every time I go on there to look at it, I see that it went from like 11 to 12 views, and it was always me that was <laughs> looking at it. But uh, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really neat, but I don't, I for me, I think it works if you're a big name, but for, nobody knows how to find you. I don't think, it, you know, I, I don't really uh, know how marketing works, but um, I do know some things that don't work for me.
0: Right, right. So you, uh, you and I met, I think for the first time, uh, we might have been at other conferences together, but I don't believe we actually met at the uh, much much abbreviated and ill-fated 2020 Left Coast Crime. Um, I've noticed, uh, for me at least, and I, and I know a lot of other writers I've talked to have struggled during this, uh, I don't know, 18 plus month lockdown, really, where you're not out seeing the readers, you're not getting to greet readers and you're not getting to face-to-face uh, have conversations with other writers. Have you noticed that that's made your writing more difficult in any way?
1: I think it's uh, I think it's just made my life in general more difficult. Um, the Writing has been for me. I am a bit of a loner, and the writing career, the, the conferences, the getting in front of people during um, book tours, and you know, you get as you know, because I see all the time you're doing you're doing uh, things, speaking in front of people, even when your book's not, you don't have a book out. Recently, you're still asked to do things, and which is great. So all that—that that was my social life, basically, and being in front of people, and then and then t- meeting, seeing old friends at every conference, a couple of year, maybe three times a year. And yeah, I I, I was actually fairly productive for the, the last year for that um, writing, Last Redemption. This year, not so much with the new book, but um, I don't think it affected my writing so much. But maybe it did. I don't see it, but it just affected my social and i don't make social life i make it light but it it affected joy in life i think not seeing people that that you really um relate to it's funny i used to be in i was in sales and i we used to have to go to um uh conventions trade shows and you know i was i was on the phone every day selling anyway but you're meeting with people and i would always feel drained at the end of the day when i did one of those but the first writers mystery writers conference i went to and i met people. I was, I was, I felt full at the end of the day. I had energy. It was just, you're meeting people that are like-minded. We're all, you know, doing the same thing, maybe somewhat differently, but we all have similar goals and similar, I don't know, similar dispositions in some ways, but
0: I certainly miss it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so your, your next book out, Last Redemption, uh, is slated for a November 30th release. Is that right? Right. right. And where, so people watching this, uh, either right now or when they tune in later on, where, uh, can people go to pre-order copies of that, which I highly recommend doing. Thank you. Thank you. And, and thanks for taking
1: the time to blurb it. You can get it anywhere. You, obviously on the big A, you can pre-order it, but you can get it from your local bookstore, your independent bookstores for sure. Barnes and Noble. Um, I'm having a launch. I mean, right now we're in person at Warwick's on November 30th in La Jolla. And then I'm doing another, hopefully, in person on the 4th December in, um, in Book Carnival in Orange, California. And I've got Poison Pen lined up for awesome. up, up in the Air, uh, whether I think it's, um, I can't remember the day, December 2nd or something. And I think that's going to be, right now, we're about 60%. is going to be in person. and uh, But I know I'm doing Murder by the Book in Houston
0: remotely. That one I'm sure of that's going to be remote. And other things are coming up, of course. Good, good. You've got a lot coming up. Yeah. Thanks. Well, congratulations on the new book. Um, and where can people go to find out more about you? Your website? Right. Uh,
1: um, You can follow me on, if you like, Yellow Labs. Angus has slept the whole time we've been talking here on the floor. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook, Coil, something like that. Um, and Instagram, I can like the stuff you put up. I don't even know. MCOil044. And I do know how to retweet. And... M- coil M or something on Twitter. But uh but I want to ask you before we go, uh I know you're working on a new book, and when is the next one coming out? Uh
0: we are still talking about that. Um I'm hoping if everything goes well that it might happen by uh fall of uh, 2022. Cool. It's tentatively tentatively titled um Under the gun. Under the seems gun. like an an accurate uh <laughs> description <laughs> of everything right now, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm definitely under the gun right now. Right. Well, this well, I look forward to that. Been awesome, Matt. Thanks, well, thank, thank you very you. much, uh, and uh, great talking with you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you doing it. Good luck with your launch. Thanks.